This podcast is brought to you by Mobius, the decentralized professional networking platform that protects your data and pays you to connect with others. Welcome to this week's Top of the Block podcast. I'm Justin Smith. This is Omar Zaki, CEO of Mobius. Omar, uh, big week for Mobius. You guys just uh, launched on uh, the App Store, right? Bro, it's always a big week for Mobius. So uh, <laughs> so basically, yeah, we, we had a great week at, at Mondo. Um, we, we got around 600 additional users from the conference, um, which was great. Uh, and also, it ran for three days or so. Um, was a really amazing time. We, we essentially were the, were the app that everyone was using at the conference, so it was really great marketing push for us. I also gave a talk the last day, which I'm going to upload um, eventually. <laughs> uh, and yeah, and we've also announced the app. It's now on the App Store. We're like running through multiple iterations right now. Um, so like the new and improved version is going to be out next week. And then the Android app and the web app is going to be out um, probably end of next week. So you can download Mobius right now. Yeah, on, right now. Right now on iTunes Store. All right. Well, uh, today's guest uh, we're pretty excited about. Uh, Senya Semenova is the Chief Business Developer Officer at Syndicator. Uh, she has a record of growing companies as a blockchain enthusiast, business developer, and communication expert. As an editor-in-chief and head of global community growth at, disruptive me- at a disruptive media platform, The Question, she was responsible for global growth from 2.3 million unique users to 5.5 million in five countries. She led business development for the educational IT startup Global Lab, where her main responsibilities were strategy development and strengthening relationships with educational and IT institutions, as well as developing a concept of website gamification. She spearheaded the launch of this online collaborative laboratory and gained 90,000 plus registered users in one year from more than 80 countries. Her interests include blockchain, hybrid intelligence, wisdom of crowd, AI, and ML, uh, innovative ecosystems, and strong communities that can affect the world. All right, let's do it. Senya, welcome to the podcast. Hey, <laughs> thank you for inviting me. I'm very glad to be here with you. Awesome. We're really excited. Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, like how you became acquainted with like the crypto world and how you got into it initially? Yeah, sure. Uh, it was more than one year ago. So it's uh, like a short time, but in crypto world, it's like a totally different life. So um, I was an editor-in-chief back then of a very, very large Russian media platform. And we were thinking about tokenizing our, our own platform because we had like five and a half million users. And it was kind of uh, an idea to become like Steemit. So I decided to know more about crypto, blockchain, cryptocurrencies, all these things. And I got so involved and I was so fascinated by the whole thing that I just, um, yeah, I just decided that I want to be there full time. 
So it was a very quick thing for you. Like you heard about crypto and you're like, I need to get into this. Yeah, it just clicked. Yeah, I just understood that it can be very disruptive uh, in so many in so many uh, industries, uh, in journalism, in uh, banking, in finance, in uh, social um, projects. So yeah. Awesome. And can you tell us a little about a little bit about like what you've done so far and what you're doing now? Yeah, sure. Um, now I'm doing business development for Syndicator. It's a fintech company. Um, uh, we do we do predictive analytics. So we have a platform um, where more than one hundred thousand people make their forecasts about traditional markets and crypto markets. And um, but this is not all. We use this crowd, uh, wisdom of the crowd, but. Um, we also know that um, it can be more valuable and more accurate if you if you just connect it with artificial intelligence. So uh, we've developed more than 30 machine models, uh, algorithms, and we mm, deployed our own neural network, which um, enhance this crowdsourced data and range it differently, clean it. So, um, uh, yeah, in the end, we have these indicators, signals, um, and sentiment of the market, which help uh, investors and traders to make more effective decision-making about investments. And um, I've been with Syndicator for some time. Um, and uh, usually I'm based in New York, where you now, I suppose. <laughs> but now I'm, so, I'm, now I'm in Seoul, South Korea, uh, because... <laughs> yeah and it's a huge time difference and it's uh sometimes it's just very complicated to um serve all these time differences to understand like when where people now what time it is now then so yeah um and um uh i'm we, we started to develop to asia because uh we understand that um Mm, our community is uh, very big and is very distributed, and it just um, it just just very um, how to say it very like natural to start to expand to Asia where people are very interested in cryptocurrencies. They are like in South Korea, almost ten million people hold. Uh, cryptocurrencies uh, but they don't really know how to invest how to use cryptocurrencies what to do with that uh, and so it's a very big market for education to educate them how to make more effective decision making on investments gotcha for us um, something that we've really tried to explore so we essentially run a decentralized LinkedIn the um, and I was actually in Russia in, in the winter, last winter in December, mm -hmm. um, because LinkedIn's banned in Russia. So we're trying to find, uh, trying to basically be like, there's obviously ways of getting around it, like a VPN and there's other alternatives. Actually, I think there's, an, there's one alternative that has like several million users or something. Anyway, point is, is we we're we're very interested in sort of like cultivating relationships um, over mm -hmm. there to try to like deploy. So I guess, could you sort of talk about how a company sort of evolves from, you know, just where, where it's based to 
essentially becoming a global brand? Uh, Syndicator was um, first, uh, well, Syndicator was established in 2015 um, in uh, like almost simultaneously in uh, the US and in Russia. Um, so uh, as you probably know, the developers are very good in Russia. And so our development teams of our developers are mostly in Russia, uh, but um, like the whole data science team, analysts, um, traders, they are all over the world. Like it's India, it's the US, it's uh, Italy, um, Russia as well, um, and, and so on. Um, it was, we was never, I don't know, it just, it just, the whole company was started as a global company because, um, when we when we held our token sale, um, we mm, we have uh, offerings from more than one hundred countries, and uh, it was that somehow just the word was spread. There was almost no marketing. It was just like um, organic growth uh, and uh, organic spread of information because we already had uh, a product. Yep. And this is just like basic recipe for success to have a real working product to um, start building the community from the very beginning. And for us uh, back then in September 2017, when our token sale was um, conducted, um, it was the most important thing uh, to build the community um, because um, all this crypto and blockchain uh, world, it's actually it's about code like we can trust the code uh but still the main thing is the community and how you build it because when you build it after that it supports you in like so many ways and um um so yeah if i if i need to add some more words about like our token sale and uh, well yeah i was I, I was curious about like um how you guys kind of made that decision to between like whether to have a an open token sale or to implement like a whitelist methodology i'm curious that decision for you guys um it was understand like the founders mike bruce of yuri Lebensev and artem baranov they understood from the very beginning that token and the whole token economy can be very vulnerable and can be influenced by um, token holders. So it was very important to um, just make it very uh, clear but strict rules how people can get in and how much influence they can have after that. So uh, like we set our hard cap for 15 million, one five, um, but we got offerings in uh, almost half a billion. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of people, a lot of people That's who wanted crazy. to jump in, yeah. but we took only 15 millions, as we said from the beginning, because the most important thing was to build a community and the most, uh, the biggest, the biggest bid was 100,000. So there were people who said like, we can give you 15 million, just, just let us in. But you know, it, it can be very dangerous later. So it was just. Uh, like three steps ahead thinking. Yeah, I mean, do you think, you know, 
So how did you kind of wade through like potential speculative investors in favor of those who are like genuinely interested in the project? Um, people had to write essays. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. It was almost 30,000 essays. Wow. That, yeah. That's actually incredible. I, th- that's a very, I think that's a very smart way of, of, you know, generating interest organically. That's because it's sort of, then it makes the investor feel like they're part of yeah. something. They, they, they are part of the whole ecosystem. That was the idea. And like now, one year later, uh, it gives me the opportunity to reach the Korean community, for example, and just to say, hey, guys, I'm here. If you want to help and to support, just email me. And I have a bunch of emails from Korean supporters, and they just want to help. And wow. it's like people who are not in the financial area, but just they have our tokens and they want to help. This is amazing, actually. Mm. There's quite a lot of cryptocurrencies out there that have especially mm-hmm. emerged in like the last since like 2017, maybe earlier, at least yeah. like 1600. How do you get like a token to stand out? And I'm also curious mm-hmm. if you actually read all those 30,000 essays. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the whole team was reading it 24-7. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, yeah, there was some interesting uh, pieces of information there. Um, how to make the token stand out? Uh, you know, we never did any aggressive PR campaigns. Uh, we understand we're here for a long term, and this is uh, our policy. We're establishing long-term partnerships with different companies, with exchanges, um, with with the community. So um, that's not that much media coverage about us, but I find it even... Um, but we do have some uh, journalists that contact us for our expertise. And I think this is more important than just like bunch of irregular PR articles. How do you think sort yeah. of like now in this, obviously it's, it's not the boom of July 2017 anymore, but uh, how do you sort of view now? So there's like a lot of strategies that used to work back then that don't and a lot of yeah. strategies that now work that no one even was considering um, even like a few months ago. So I guess mm-hmm. sort of now at this point, how do you sort of, what's, what's like a strategy or that, you know, people who want to run ICOs, what, what do you think is the most effective strategy right now? Uh, there is no one recipe, I would say. We have some partners in our symbiotic network. Uh, we launched at the um, like side uh, project for uh, partnerships with different companies and startups we believe in. It's not an accelerator, it's just um, we believe in sharing knowledge in building uh, mutual, mutually beneficial uh, relationships. So we do have some startups in the symbiotic network that, they, that are in their ICO stage. And they, dif- and they act differently. Some of them postpone ICO, some of them just mm, make like token distribution among their communities just to keep the community strong and to support them. Um, others make private sales. So it very much depends on um, how much is your hard cap, uh, how strong is your community. Uh, and um, yeah, but the times the times are very, very hard for the companies. Yeah, do you think... I, I think it's mainly because... 
I mean, so we, like at least for us, a challenge that we've been trying to reconcile with is making, I don't think there's any real currencies these days being produced that are true utility tokens. Like it's just, no matter what, like, I mean, just even like looking at our company, we originally wanted to have, you know, the tokens essentially be just like buying an app in the app store. So it just gives you access mm -hmm. to the platform. But we realized that no one actually wants to pay for an app. So, <laughs> so, so I guess now, how do you sort of view, you know, companies, how, how can someone make a true utility token and not try to stand out like a, as a security basically? Um, yeah, so CND token is actually a utility token uh, because the, our model is that you buy our token and you hold it and that's how you get an access to the products. So you don't need to spend it. Um, also, the people who make forecasts, um, if, they have, if they have positive rating, every month they get, they get rewards in our CND token. So this is make like the loop of the internal economy um and um, this is like actual you actually utilize a token um but still like for example for the us there is no such term as a utility token so it just we have three legal opinions that we are a utility token but sec doesn't doesn't cc doesn't know other opinions yeah, so yeah we still need to wait for their decision for their regulations and yeah. i still believe that uh, 2018 will be the year when we understand at least some regulations and it will help uh the industry yeah one thing i've been noticing a lot is is um companies are purchasing back all their tokens and then reissuing at like a discount or a bonus or something as security tokens to the original holders. Mm -hmm. But I kind of still feel like that's, I'm kind of, yeah, I mean, I still feel like that's not covered here, at least in America, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think in the it, US, it's more complicated and it's uh, very sad because um, like the economy uh, suffers actually. And I actually think that, that the whole point of crypto in the beginning was just to like give people around the world access to technology and products and you know passive income all around the world and now everyone's really excited about oh STOs STOs this STO that STOs are going to be the next big thing and I actually get disappointed when I hear stuff like that because it's like okay well then what do you think is going to happen? Well, there's then there's going to be big banks that start doing STOs, Credit Suisse, mm -hmm. Goldman Sachs, all these. And then it just goes from outside, like a decentralized community building oriented projects to now uh, mm -hmm. STOs run by banks like IPOs. So that's I mean, that's just that's just me. I didn't mean to go on a rant, but yeah. <laughs> I feel very strong. Do you have, any, do I, you have any hopes? <laughs> I mean, I just I, I really don't think that you know stos are gonna they're gonna be helpful like of course it's cool that you can tokenize real estate it's cool like you can tokenize like a building or something that's great but at the end of the day i really think that that stos are going to kill you know the entire mm. ecosystem of utility tokens and dApps in the industry 
So I hope not. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Well, I'm I'm curious because you you've um you definitely have a lot of experience with like ICOs and growing companies and stuff and I'm curious what factors, you know, people should consider, you know, mm-hmm. in in running an ICO and and deciding to do that. And when do you think the right time is as well like to, to I mean people used to just put out white papers and raise like all this money. So when do you think is now like the right time like revenue positive after a product or like you know you built it to, yeah. Um yeah, I would say the product means a lot. <clears throat> so when you have a MVP at least, but uh the working product is the best. Uh when you have when you have a team um because it's one of the hardest thing to build a working team. Um, and when you have advisors uh, who are actually for you there, yeah. not just names, but people who can give you right connections, who can introduce you to the right people, conferences, all this thing. Um, and uh, what was your question, Justin? Yeah, like factors people should consider and whether whether deciding to do that. Uh yeah, if if they really need it, <laughs> because now it's probably uh, for some companies it's more expensive to conduct an ICO token sale because of all these uh, hard times regulations and all. Also, also what people need to consider is uh, the country and the jurisdiction where they want to set ICO and and the company. Gotcha and. Well, now I'm curious into getting into a little bit about like syndicator and, um, you know, some of the things that are part of that, like artificial intelligence and like, Mm -hmm. you know, what does a future look like between like human and machine in this space? We're getting very philosophical Uh, here. Now we're getting deep. Um, Well, we believe in symbiosis between uh, humans and machines. Uh, Definitely it's... um, Definitely artificial intelligence can be so much faster than people and can be so useful for us to proceed all these huge databases and to make um, like efficient analysis. Um, but still, people, people will need to rule it correctly to set this data to give this data to the machines um so i hope that we will um utilize it wisely but not not switch to it like uh fully um because yeah people humans are lazy (laughs) they are they really are (laughs) yeah and this is like the main danger so um and artificial intelligence uh is uh efficient as anything can be uh it just it it doesn't sleep uh, it doesn't need to eat so it can just work um and i don't know if it can be if it can have more intelligence than we have but we still we still i think the only thing that will rule it <laughs> I, yeah i still th- I, th- I think that we're very far off from i think the one thing like obviously humans bring a lot of things to the table but we just have we just have this like creativity and 
I just feel like that just cannot can never be replaced by like robots. I mean, there may end up. I mean, you could probably just study some like make a bunch of case studies of creative people and the, have the robot or whatever AI like figure it out. Just like learn how to be creative. But I feel like definitely we're we're far off from being replaced. But yeah, there is no there is there is no this imagination spark in artificial intelligence. Uh, have you read uh, the book Homo Deus, A Brief History of Tomorrow? Uh, no. I've actually it's, heard the title. Yeah. yeah, it's by Yuval Noah Harari. And uh, I, I highly recommend this book, just uh, his um, projection of how the future will be. And uh, the thing is that we have so much data about us so like artificial intelligence can predict very good how we will act that's why all these advertising machines are so effective now and they will be even more effective because data collection is just set and it all all of our history is out there and like artificial intelligence soon could tell where we will go what we will do what we will think the next moment so <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i think i mean so for us a question that we really, that we're really trying to to answer is like fundamentally so i the way we're kind of pivoting we're trying to attack like the whole linkedin linkedin stealing your data that type of thing mm -hmm. do you ever think we'll we'll ever reach a point where so i mean we're broadening broadening our vision to basically protect all types of data so we're basically giving you now a platform mm -hmm. where you can monetize your you can like tweet on our on our platform and you get paid for that just like steam if you if mm -hmm. you have likes you can run ad campaigns you pay for that as well um and i guess do you ever do you think that there would ever be a point where a platform that is sort of that broad and rewards users and protects users data do you think that would have mass adoption or do you think that we would just only get the subset of like blockchain geeks who want to protect their data? Like, do you think people actually <laughs> care about data theft? Uh, my hope is that uh, like my hope for blockchain at the first, the first, uh, <laughs> I forgot the word. So <laughs> uh, yeah, my hope for the blockchain was that it can um, help us uh, get back to our data and get the access of our own data and to um, just distribute how we want it. So I want to believe that the project like yours uh, will be mass adopted. Uh, but people need to understand uh, that they need their data back. So probably it also will take uh, Education. some educational effort from yeah. your side. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's yeah, it's definitely something that we grapple with because I mean, it's I really think it's gotten completely out of hand like all these Facebook, like you just you, you search one thing. Like I was I was looking to buy some like some like pots like for my kitchen the other day and now mm -hmm. I still have advertisements of pots. I already bought one, <laughs> you know, and it still appears in, it's like this is ridiculous. It's like yeah. completely it's like Google, I just want to look for things one time, you know, I'd never want to see these advertisements again. So I think it's really become <laughs> the struggles of Omar life, Omar's well, life. Revealed. I mean, I just think, I think it's like become, it, it's, it's 
gone completely out of control. Like I, I'm feel very passionately about this because it's just like so much spam. Also just like LinkedIn, I get hit up by so many bots every single day. And it's like, I read every message I get on any platform because I, you never know. Someone could be helpful. Um, yeah. And it's just ridiculous. But again, didn't want to rant. That's just me. But yeah, I, I also do. I, I do share. Like when I when I first heard about blockchain, I was, the first thing I thought of was this is this could be used to protect all of us from people like Google making billions. Of, we they're making like literally hundreds of billions of dollars, like trillions of dollars off of all of us and just from our menial tasks daily. And we don't yeah, see a but single people dime. don't think about it. Yeah, people don't think about it. They're just like, oh, yeah, Google is just Google or like, you know, like that's just it is what it is. And that's just like it's just not. It's like it, it even goes as, as far as like they're probably reading my emails. Like they're probably like. Of course they do. <laughs> anyone who. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So. Yeah, I believe that blockchain can uh, make um, it more transparent. Um, just you can trace every transaction, every uh word um everything about you and also you can keep it to yourself if you decide so yeah this this would be actually a very good thing where does um where does syndicator fall into that uh this whole space and everything I'm trying to get like a picture of it um like can in you kind blockchain? of explain that in blockchain you mean yeah uh well when you have so many uh when you have hundred thousand of users uh distributed across the globe uh can you imagine and you pay them the rewards every month can you imagine how hard could it be in dollars just (laughs) yeah this is this is impossible this is exactly why anytime anyone ever tells me hey you guys don't need a token it's like okay (laughs) so i'm just gonna go open up a bank in a hundred different countries and start paying people out in their respective currency. No, that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So now when we make this uh, monthly reward payments, it's just easy. And also it, uh, because of our token economy, um, it's a great incentive. Like it, we incentivize them with our token, with our products. Uh, so the whole token economy is a very important uh, part of our ecosystem, and. Um, yeah only blockchain made it uh, possible yeah it's it's a it's a it's a it's really truly at its core like i think the way that blockchain is going to get mass adoption and people will start using dApps on like the scale of like millions of people using it is really like i feel like the the artists need to like start using starts to like need to know about blockchain because there's really like there's all these people like Roger Ver whatever all these like f- like philosophers basically but no mm. one really listens to them unless you're already in the space so i think what needs to happen is is there needs to be some sort of wave of like artists looking at blockchain and being like wow like this is a beautiful concept and thing that exists that's connecting people from literally all across the world and then we have to start sort of seeing like things come out of that you know like like yeah music relating to it mm -hmm. yeah i think there can be a lot of different approaches how to make it uh more 
mass adopted uh, one of uh, it like actually your way to make it uh, clear to people that they need to uh, protect their own information their own data the other thing is um, that I found here in South Korea is that people understand that they cannot make a lot of money during their life but they want to earn a lot they want to make money uh, fast so that's how they get into blockchain and crypto um, and this is not a bad thing this is actually a very good thing because then when they got to this uh, um, racing car they need to get some knowledge about it and that's when they start to know more to understand about blockchain to understand about crypto cryptocurrencies um, and even launch some projects so that's how it became so mass adopted here in south korea yeah i mean i i was going to ask you about because you have a history of growing these companies and stuff how do you how do you reach people and um really you know, get people interested in all these companies and, you know, what is it like traveling all over the world all the time? And, and to add on to that too, how do you sort of like, what's, what are some strategies? I mean, this is relevant to us because our app's now like out on the app store. It's not like totally the version that I want it to be, but it's almost there. Um, but mm -hmm. like, we're going to basically start trying to push for like users. So I guess, mm -hmm. yeah, you can sort of tie that into the, question that Justin asked um, well we firstly we understood our markets uh, where the mass adoption uh, can happen and why um, like the US was essential in terms of analysts because we could not uh, sell our token there but we could um, attract and engage users because well New York and America in general is a very financial country and um, so we've started from the US we've got a lot of analysts from there uh, we still do a lot of things going to the conferences speaking going to set like meetups events for sharing knowledge as well but also then we understood we, that we do have some uh, users from Asia and we started to look at Asia and uh, South Korea, we just analyzed it and understood that um, the knowledge about crypto is already very like wide here. Uh, people had a lot of cryptocurrencies. They don't know how to deal with it. They are very interested. Like here in uh, South Korea, People like children already know about cryptocurrencies and also old people. And it's like the whole population is very interested in it. And also the government is supportive, more or less, but like more than less. So when you uh, want and start to uh, analyze the communities in different countries, yeah, just... just uh, understand what you want from them and uh, what you can suggest to them yeah no yeah i mean one one market that i'm very interested in is russia um i mean i i personally like the i, I was in moscow i liked it a lot um <laughs> but yeah i mean so how it's like a very different you know strategy to market a product in russia versus in america 
So yes, it is. Every market is so different. Yeah. Every business culture is so different. Um, for me, I don't know. I, I probably have this very flexible mindset, so I just can switch um, to different cultures. Uh, but it's uh, it's a huge research first and talking to people who lived for some times in the country. Um, yeah, you just you just uh, look with wide open eyes at people, at the country, at their habits and traditions. And then you just uh, and then you are very respectful to everything. This is like the most important thing and open and just suggesting. Yeah, that that's what you do actually. You suggest you're actually, you're, what you can aren't do. Are you from Moscow too? Is that right? Originally, yes, originally. I'm from Moscow originally. And um you actually got a a master's in journalism, I see. Is that right? Yeah. I actually yeah. got a degree in journalism too, so that's exciting <laughs> to me. But how do you how do you think even that journalism background in, has informed you now? Well, well, I think journalism is almost one of the best education because it makes you so flexible. It gives you uh, so it gives you so much skills of uh, research, analysis, getting into people's head to understand how they think, what they think, and like um, the most important thing about journalism is that you know how to ask a question, and this is like this is everything. Sometimes just to ask the right question is what it needs to be done. I'm going to memorize that statement for all of my future job interviews. Um, <laughs> what, what is that, you know, like when you were going through those 30,000 essays and stuff, like what was the question that you guys were looking for? What did you want to see in that investor that, that was like, this is, this is one that we want? Um, there was uh, the particular thing that they want to be part of our ecosystem and then that they want to contribute however they can. If there was the statement, if there was, um, uh, you know, when you read a text, you can understand how, what people think, what, what the person think and what his intents to do. Um, so, yeah, it was the, about ecosystem and contribution. I love this idea because if you, if you, if you have to apply to invest that really really makes someone want to invest more than just yeah. like hey here's our here's our wallet address send me some eth that's yeah yeah well and then, that makes you part of a team yeah well then i'm curious because obviously you do travel and you you get to experience all these different cultures and what what is the question that most people have about like blockchain and stuff that people don't understand like do you find like one question is repeated over and over again uh what are you doing <laughs> i get this yeah i get this from my from my mom all the time <laughs> yes a lot of uh yes this is the most uh, often question and how do you explain that what, what is your what's your answer to that one? uh it depends on if i want to continue the conversation or if i don't <laughs> Like, if I don't want to, I'm saying, like, you know, that's a fintech company on blockchain using hybrid intelligence. And people just, uh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you. And, yeah, if I want them to understand, I tell them that uh, that there is a, um, that people like traders and investors needs to make uh, decisions. And, like, all people needs to make right decisions. Uh, but in terms, of, like in times of this uncertainty, it's very hard to make a decision. So that's 
uh, what our tools are for. We ask different people from different countries. We collect this data, we clean it, and then we have this um, signal for you to make more effective strategy, to make more effective decision. And yeah. that's how people start to ask more questions. Very interesting. Yeah, I, I just usually say, yeah, it's some Bitcoin stuff. That's when I say yeah. it. And then, then they say, what's Bitcoin? I'm just like, oh, yeah, you know, like that thing that's like kind of fake money, but it actually is worth like $6,000. <laughs> that's supposedly crashing every week. Every week, according yeah. to the media. Yeah, <laughs> according to the news. Yeah, I yeah. still meet people who doesn't know what blockchain is. It's fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's really annoying too. And it's also like the investor population really, really needs to catch up. It's getting to be like extremely frustrating that like all the amount of percent, like the percentage of funds that actually amount of money in like private investing that's committed to blockchain is still, I think, sub like mm -hmm. 1% of like all private money out there. It's still going yeah. to like legacy, like like real estate, like random tech companies that are not doing anything with blockchain. So we have a long way to go. Even imagine if like the money goes up to like ten percent, how much how much more people would would know about blockchain? I think that's really the core the core problem is like investors when they hear this stuff. Oh, you're doing a coin. Oh, like okay, you know that's <laughs> like, that's like what they say. So. I think they but if you can imagine how fast was development for just one year, because when I came to New York and started to go to all these meetups and conferences, uh, like in December, uh, because I was uh, reading a lot about blockchain, about Bitcoin, and I don't think it's a rocket science. It's actually very, not very, but kind of a simple thing. You can understand it. So my first question to people on these meetups was stupid, but it was, what is the difference between, between blockchain and Bitcoin? <laughs> and people couldn't answer. Now they can. And uh, like a lot of people know more about blockchain, about cryptocurrencies. And it's, it, will, it will be more mass adopted soon. I think uh, the pace is very fast. Yeah, I mean, like I, I saw like one of my friends the other day made like a steam article and he got like 500 bucks for it it's like <laughs> that's a sizable amount of money you know like and no one's like people don't even know that this exists it's like like you can just go online and just start making money by already doing yeah. what you're already going to do which is yeah like, yeah that yeah. was like that's one of our motivation people like to make forecasts they like to predict and they also like to train their analytical skills and they can get rewards yeah, I think it's I think stuff like that is like when people say, oh, like, are you are you trying to like, is your project? Yeah, like I filled out like an accelerator application or something recently and they're like, oh, like what's is your project for social good? And mm -hmm. theoretically, like we're not like a nonprofit, like we're here, we're here to make money, obviously. But uh, at the same time, if you rewards like someone in like India, if he gets mm -hmm. one of our tokens, so our token rate's going to be like 500 um, tokens for one ETH, which is like pretty good. So that basically means like around 50 cents. So mm -hmm. just by meeting someone and scanning their QR code, you get a token for that. And that's huge in like India, right? When 
Like the exchange yeah. rate's ridiculous. Even Russia, right? Like I, I was there last year and I was eating like all this food and like taking all these Ubers and it was like maybe a tenth of like the the price that I would spend in New York City for for that. Yeah. So it's yeah. definitely like game changing. I think it's definitely going to be like positive social impact. Yeah. Um, for Russia, it's good that you are a man. <laughs> so, it's very hard to be like, I like, I like New York meetups because it's uh, very uh, equal. Mm, but yeah. in Russia, you need to be a man. Really? Yeah, yeah it's, it's the, yeah, it's um, also like... You, you... <laughs> so you can definitely go to Russia and be successful. <laughs> so you, you face some trouble with that. Mm? You face some trouble in Russia with that kind of stuff. I I don't really f because I I don't work in Russia usually, but just when I went to some events, it's just so different uh, from New York. Yeah, it just also the way business is, the way business is done there too is like very very different than from here. Like here, you meet in like a boardroom, and like you like talk about stuff, you get like a deal done. Over there, it's like I I met with Sergey Solonin, like um, what's this company? Kiwi. Q-I-W-I. It's like publicly listed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, I know it. Mm -hmm. um, and the guy shows up wearing like his pajamas and like is just like smoking hookah and like drinking, like literally like drinking vodka out of like a bottle. <laughs> and like we're talking about like a business. Yeah, it's very, very different. And it's like, and, and he still expects you to show up like looking nice, you know, and like prepared and everything. And he's just like smoking like hookah. Like, yeah, so... <laughs> it's definitely very different. So before we go, um, I'm curious, like, you know, where you're at with like syndicator and like what your future goals are, um, like where, where you guys are going and um, even maybe even personally where you're hoping to be in a few years and stuff. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I mean, in my personal uh, plans, uh, because I have... Uh, I will definitely be going all over the world. That's that's what I like. Um, that's what I'm good at, I suppose. Uh, just to establishing new connections and building the communities. Uh, that's what I really like. And um, a syndicator will continue to uh, build its um, readership and analytical um, audience across the globe. We want it to be as huge as possible uh, not only in terms of that we need data we do need data but also because um, for us it's very important to educate people to share this knowledge and through our platform because when you make predictions you always have these useful links with uh, descriptions with some um, materials about what these or that cryptocurrency is like and so on so this is actually a very good <clears throat> educational resource and uh, this will be, I think this will be our next um, focus, like next year we will uh, collaborate more with the universities, uh, with uh, some companies that are about education. So, um, and um, there are other big plans in terms of uh, asset management for Syndicator and uh this will be like our next huge steps step and uh that's why also i'm here because um uh, yeah we need to build the connections with uh investors 
and um, people who wants to know how to um, make effective asset management awesome. with us. And how can people find Syndicator and find you? Uh, well, the, the website is syndicator.com and uh, there is my LinkedIn there. I'm also on every social network you can, you can think of. Um, and I'm very open to any communication. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Senya Semenova, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Omar. Thank you, Jason. It was a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> well, we re really appreciate it. And uh, make sure to check us out next week on Top of the Block Podcast. All right. Take care. Peace out.